So Money episode 151, Doug Nordman. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. You know, my advice, I think, caters to, uh, generally speaking, someone who is a young adult or a midlife professional looking to go from good to great with their financial life. Uh, They might have just paid off their student loans or they are looking to buy a home. They just got a job or a second job. They want to be entrepreneurial. And so that's kind of the psychographic That said, I think there are a lot of people out there that my advice doesn't reach, um, or perhaps I don't spend enough time giving specific advice to. And so today I'm really excited to welcome a guest who is dedicating his financial advice and his financial mission to help particularly families that are in the military and especially those that are approaching retirement, because as he has found, and as a member of the military Doug Nordman, my guest, he's found that many military families and individuals are unprepared when it comes to retirement. So he is dedicating his work to teaching them how to do it. And he is someone who actually managed to retire at 41, which I don't care whether you're in the military or you have a business or you're a teacher, that in and of itself is exceptional. So we are going to go into specifically on the show with Doug Lots of advice for uh, military families, military individuals who are approaching retirement or are maybe far from retirement, but want to know what they can do now to make sure that they have secured themselves a safe and fruitful retirement. After a 20-year career with the U.S. Navy's submarine force, Doug, as I said, retired at the early age of 41. He has published two books. The Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement and the Military Financial Independence and Retirement Pocket Guide shows military veterans how to achieve financial independence and retire on their terms. And after a few years of research and tinkering with retirement plans, he discovered that the military offers retirees affordable health care. Did you know this? I had no idea. I'm a big fan of Doug. Many takeaways from our interview, how military retirees can better prepare for retirement, yes, how much Doug personally saved so that he could retire in his early 40s, and how he manages to pay close to nothing for energy at his house. He lives in Hawaii, which by the way is one of the, if not the most expensive state when it comes to average utility bills annually. So to learn from him is very important. So here we go. Here is Doug Nordman. Doug Norman, welcome to So Money. It's a pleasure to have you. Aloha, Farnoosh. Thanks for having me on the show. Aloha. Yes, you are in Hawaii. I'm uh, I'm on the island of Oahu. It's Oahu. Uh, right in the middle, mm-hmm. right near Honolulu. You are the founder of The Military Guide. We had the pleasure of connecting uh, last year at FinCon 14. What made you want to dedicate your um, your career currently to helping the military? Well, part of it is is paying it forward. Uh, when I was starting out in the military, there was a lot I didn't know about finances, let alone my job. 
And uh, I got help from people who had been there and learned things that I needed to learn, and they took care of me. And so once now that I'm in retirement and having uh, my own uh, personal financial independence, I'm happy to uh, pay that forward. It's also a very interesting topic, and uh, frankly, a lot of people in the military need to know more about it, and uh, we don't do a very good job of teaching ourselves. And when you say we, do you think it's uh, the responsibility of the government really to help the military in terms of not just um, providing for them, but 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 educating them? I mean, we're all we also our country as a whole is is very low on the financial literacy scale. But um, with the military, do you think as though th- there's a really big missed opportunity there? I, I don't think it's the government's job to teach people in the military about uh, personal finance. I think it's the military's job to teach people to be financially responsible, to, mm-hmm. to stay out of debt, to be able to uh, be a, a good person on a job and have a good security clearance. But uh, financial independence and personal finance, I think, is a, a personal responsibility. And if you can uh, figure out with the aid of a financial advisor or teaching yourself or having uh, mentors and coaches and peers help you however you do it, that's the real responsibility. And, and you're the person who's going to do the best job on your own personal finances. What do you find are some of the biggest issues facing military retirees and those that are approaching retirement? It's uh, it's surprising that uh, there are so few people that retire from the military that are financially independent. Uh, we have. A, Is it surprising? It, do you think? Do you th- yeah. I, I think so. Uh, when I started uh, my retirement 13 years ago, I uh, was surprised to find that there were very few people that had retired from the military that were ready to be financially independent. Uh, we have a, a pension that has a cost of living allowance built into it, an inflation adjustment. And we also have access to cheap health care. Uh, TRICARE is a, is a very low premium in retirement compared to uh, civilian uh, kind of health care plans. And so I would have expected to find more people that uh, were financially independent by the time they retired from the military. Now, only one out of every six people who joins the military actually sticks around for the 20-year retirement. But even so, uh, there are very few people that retire out of the military and are financially independent. Uh, more than 80% of the people that actually retire from the military go on to get a, another job to start a bridge career after they retire from the military. So, so why do you think that is, though? What's what's the gap? Uh, we, we have no reason to uh, worry about financial independence while we're in the military. Uh, many of our financial needs are taken care of, and we're, we're very busy. You're working on your job, or if you're a spouse or a family member, you're supporting your service member during their career. And so you really don't have a, an appreciation for how much you can accomplish for financial independence while you're in uniform. Uh, it turns out the math is, the math is very straightforward. Uh, financial independence is uh, simple but, but still challenging. And most families uh, can achieve it within 10 to 20 years. If you can save at least 40% of your uh, gross income for 10 to 20 years, by the time you uh, leave the military at 20 years, you will definitely be financially independent because you'll have a pension. But even if you get out or join the reserves and your pension starts later uh, and you don't have that 20-year military pension with an inflation adjustment, just the savings that you'll have accumulated during that time you're in uniform will still put you well on a road to financial independence. So what is your angle, uh, Doug, in getting these military vets to, these retirees rather, to really, uh, you know, understand how to get retirement ready? What's your approach? Well, the first thing we talk about is the fact that they can achieve financial independence while they're in uniform, while they're still in the military. 
And, and also that they don't necessarily need to retire from the military to have that financial independence. They can do something less than the 20 years or they can go into reserves or the National Guard and get a pension at age 60. And, and the other thing about uh, achieving financial independence while you're in the military is the new choices you get in your life. I, uh, I try not to uh, tell people that they should retire and never work again when they leave the military because we all want to do something with the rest of our lives and part of that may involve a bridge career. And when you leave the service in your 30s or 40s or early 50s, you still may feel that you want to go do a traditional bridge career after that if you're interested in that. But the point is that if you're financially independent when you uh, leave the military, then you do have choices. You have the option of working or of devoting yourself to nonprofit or other activities. And whatever you want to do, it gives you a very powerful way to choose to live your life. And while you're in the military, there are times when the uh, services uh, want you to re-enlist or to sign up for a new obligation. And as part of that, they'll wave a, a large sum of bonus money at you to uh, sign up for another uh, obligation. And, and when that happens, if you're nearly financially independent, you can choose to sign the contract because you're enjoying your job and you're having fun at it and you feel fulfilled. Uh, not that you uh, are worried about paying a truck loan or, uh, or paying off your student loans. And so saving for financial independence while you're in the military gives you a lot of choices and a lot of flexibility in the rest of your life. You retired at 41, though, Doug. That's exceptional for anybody. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. <laughs> I don't care. What, I don't care whether you're in the military, if you had a business, if you were a teacher. 41. I'm 35. So if I'm going to retire in six years, first of all, what am I going to do with my life? Um, oh, you'll figure it out. What? I'll figure it out. But what? Uh, what ducks did you have in a row so that you could be done at 41? It, it's based on a high savings rate. And, and we made plenty of mistakes. Uh, we got started in the 1980s when it was common to pay high expense ratios and sales charges on mutual funds. We uh, chased active management and hot performing funds and all the typical mistakes of the 80s and 90s. But through all of that, we had a high savings rate. And, and when you look at the math of reaching financial independence, it's based on that high savings rate. And we were always like 30%, 50%. In our case, we were usually at 50% or higher. Uh, my, my spouse was also on active duty for uh, much of her career. So we were able to both save money and live on one paycheck. Okay, Doug, let's transition out of my so many questions. I have a feeling you're going to have some really great answers for us, starting with your money mantra. What is your number one financial philosophy? Well, mine is tracking your expenses because that helps you make better decisions on how you're spending your money and eliminate waste and that gives you better choices later on. Your greatest memory of money growing up, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I, I, ah. I left as soon as I could. That's why I joined the Navy. <laughs> and now you're uh, in paradise. Absolutely. Thank you for the Navy for that. But uh, <laughs> we've been all over the world and by the time we got here, we knew where we wanted to live. So growing up in Pittsburgh, I'm also partly from Pennsylvania. I know Pittsburgh well. What would you say was your um, your initial education about money? What was your what was your earliest money memory? What did it teach you? What was your perspective? I, I learned early on that money had power, and most of that was because I never had any, so I didn't have the power. Uh, but when I grew up, I was uh, largely blissfully ignorant about money, especially about investing. I was very good at saving, but I really had no idea how to spend well or how to invest. Can you give us an example of that? Like, take us really down to, you know, little Doug, little Doug in Pittsburgh, a really vivid <laughs> money memory that stands out that really captures that that idea that money is power. 
I was I was one of those kids who used to hoard his money to the point where I would even have them uh, put in a drawer in an envelope organized by the uh, amount on the face of the dollar bill and by the serial number. And the reason I did that is because I hardly ever spent my money. I, I didn't want to spend my money and, and waste that power or lose an opportunity to spend it on something else later on. Uh, when I started college with uh, very low money skills, uh, I was immediately uh, spending my money going out every Friday night, Saturday, uh, spending the weekend drinking, uh, going on trips. I really had no idea how to plan for a budget or, or limit my spending. If I saw something I wanted to spend my money on, I did. And so uh, while I was a kid and of, of limited mobility <laughs> and limited uh, income, I uh, generally held on to my money and saved it for a better opportunity. But when I got to college, uh, I was too busy with uh, studying and partying and all the other things that go on at college to really pay attention to how I was spending. And I managed to fritter away uh, what at that point to me was a lifetime of savings in just a couple of years in college. Along the way, maybe you made a few failures. I know that you just said you've spent money um there was a period of time where you spent and you didn't even care. You just spent. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your biggest financial failure? What happened? Well, I'd, I'd say in terms of big money dollars, the biggest financial failure we had was when we had first moved to Hawaii and the real estate market was uh, in a bubble. And this was uh, 1990. And one of the things we tried to do at the time, uh, we had just bought a house, uh, but we found a, a lovely house up on the North Shore and tried to buy that. And it turned out to be, at the time, far more house than we could afford. Uh, We also were uh, actually considering driving to work every day from the North Shore and back, which was, you know, 45 minutes to an hour each way. And it was uh, a ridiculously large sum of money that we were going to borrow for a a 95% mortgage. You know, it was going to be a combination of a VA loan and all of our personal savings and a second mortgage and putting a tenant in a downstairs uh, living area. And that... That process that we went through, uh, as we went through spending the money and starting down the process of closing on a house, we realized we had gotten in way over our heads. So that cost us our deposit. That cost us a deposit and about $5,000 worth of money just to learn that lesson that we really had tried to get more real estate than we can afford. And that was a, a big eye-opening experience to show us that maybe we needed to uh, make the make the home we had work for us and stay close to work so we didn't buy into a big commute and didn't uh, buy into a big lifestyle. Now, we still live here on Oahu, so we see that home every couple of months when I drive up there in the North Shore. So it's a constant reminder on uh, the money lesson we learned from trying to buy more house than we could really afford. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were saying that, there have been so many guests on this show that have cited real estate as their greatest (laughs) financial failure. I'm like, all this time, I'm like, maybe that's a book. I mean, not like they're saying anything that we don't, it doesn't shock us, right? Because we've all, we all, it was, it's very recent in our economic history is that financial collapse and that housing bubble crisis. So, but um, behaviorally, there's something very interesting there, you know, that even the mo- the smartest people that I have on my show managed to goof up, you know, and, and can you blame us? I mean, it was That's just right. one of those things that like, who knew? Who knew real, estate will, real estate will always go up, and a right. home is your castle. You yeah. deserve this. You <laughs> earned a place to have a nice nest. Makes you wonder what other like financial tenants are completely, you know, bonkers. Um, it's a little, it's a little scary to think. But uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh huh. And I'm glad to know that you you still managed to you know stay in Oahu despite you know despite that episode. Well, we, we, we managed to make it work because it yeah. was one of the most important things to us at that point was mm-hmm. staying in Hawaii and enjoying living here for the rest of our lives. 
it's nice that you found a partner that not only believes in your, you share these financial principles with, but also um, has similar goals in terms of you know, where you want to retire and live and, and, and spend your days. Absolutely. And it takes a lot of uh, communications and mm-hmm. uh, it takes finding the right person and marrying the right person, but also takes uh, time to figure out what's important to both of you. You may uh, not realize when you get married uh, what your priorities really are. And part of our priority change after we got married was when we started a family. You know how that is. You uh, have a child and suddenly uh, your whole priority system changes around and yes. you're much more oriented toward family and towards the time you spend with that person and, uh, and being where there and being responsible. It's I a think, little predictable, actually. It's like, oh, actually, the suburbs sound great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never moving to the suburbs. <laughs> I, well, I didn't think we were either, but it might be in our future. That's um, typical. Yeah. Well, how about a habit, Doug? Um, something that you do habitually, a financial practice that you are very conscious about that you either do daily or at least you know once a week to help you with your, your financial planning. We started tracking our expenses back in the early 80s, and we kept doing that all along. And that's the the longest duration habit we have. Uh, that's probably the one that we practice the most is keeping track of expenses. And even even now, uh, when we have enough, in fact, we probably have more than enough. Uh, we still track uh, the large purchases, and we still look at our expenses just to make sure that nothing has crept up on us that we don't want to spend the money on. And so I don't mind paying extra for uh, good internet bandwidth, and I don't mind uh, uh, paying a little extra for good food, for example, for shopping at the grocery store. But we still track our expenses and pay attention to when we bought something and how long it lasts and how well it performs. Some of the things, too, that we uh, do to save money are, are not what people would regard as, as normal habits. Uh, I, uh, I, after I retired, I got very interested in photovoltaic power, and we ended up building uh, our own uh, photovoltaic uh, solar power system on our roof. And so our electric bills here in, uh, in Hawaii are only uh, $17, $18 per month. And most people— What is this? Photo— Photovoltaic solar power. Photovoltaic solar power. Solar panels. And, solar panels. And so they generate most of the electricity that we use, and our electric bill is, the average electric bill in Hawaii is uh, approaching $200 a month. And uh, ours wow. is, you know, it, it's expensive to generate electricity in a tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific. And most of that comes from oil, and some of it comes from natural gas and coal. And now Hawaii is the nation's largest per capita generator of solar power because it's actually cheap to go out and buy a photovoltaic system or, or rent one and generate some of your own power. And so our electric bill is very low, but I also enjoyed the engineering of putting up a photovoltaic mm-hmm. array and figuring it all out and putting it all together. So that was a, that was a good hobby, and it, uh, it also happens to generate some income. Photovoltaic solar panels. Can you get that at Home Depot? You can, oh. actually. I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, well, 10 years ago, it was a completely different situation, but uh, nowadays you can go down to Home Depot and, and buy a, a solar panel to put on your house. Uh, you can even buy a, a, a cell phone uh, case that's got a solar panel in it that mm. you can use to recharge ah, your phone. And speaking of, my phone just died of battery loss, <laughs> so um, I'm going to put that on my to-do list. All right, Doug, you've been a lot of fun. Let's do some So Money fill-in-the-blanks. Ready? I am ready. 
If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say, let's say you won a hundred million dollars. Sure. The first thing I would do is. <laughs> well, as soon as I paid my taxes, I'd go out and hire a, a personal chef and a personal <laughs> grocery shopper so that I don't have to. Maybe it's the same person. The chef is the grocery shopper. At $100 million, I don't care how many people it takes. (laughs) Well, hopefully, I'm sure you'll have money left over. Uh, I hope so. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? I I would say that the the one thing that we indulge ourselves on is is just buying the kind of food we want to eat. And and it sounds like a, a, a horrible change of pace because you're not doing it from a coupon. You're not shopping for bargains. But for us, that that has the biggest difference in our life. And the other indulgence, I know that everybody has said this, so I'll make it number two on my list. But the other indulgence is a house cleaner. I agree with that. You know I do. I can get a lot of other stuff done while the house cleaner is doing what they got to do. And I enjoy it a lot more. For sure. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend uh, a lot of money on is? That has turned out to be Amazon eBooks, Kindle books. And I, uh, I am a sucker for the 99 cent or the dollar 99 action adventure or suspense or mystery novel. And I've uh, actually joined a number of uh, book lists where they send you an email a couple times a week and tell you about the latest dollar 99 or 99 cent bargain books to read. That's great. And, uh, oh, it's, it's very easy to do, right? One click purchase and you got it's, it. It's a little, yeah, it's too easy. <laughs> too easy. Yes. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading a uh, mystery suspense spy thriller called uh, Red Sparrow, and it's about uh, two uh, spies. One's Russian and one's American, and uh, they're both uh, trying to uh, target the other and subvert them into uh, becoming double agents, and they don't realize that each has that mission for the other. I'll wait for the movie. I think it will. (laughs) It sounds like it's like a series. (laughs) Uh, they, They usually are. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is? How to invest. I managed to get all the way to college and after that, uh, before I really learned how to invest. And uh, to some extent, getting married helped me get my financial act together and settle down and learn how to save and learn how to invest what I'd saved. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because? Well, all the royalties on my book go to military charities. uh, And I did that to help write the book and uh, make sure that people understood that I wasn't trying to profit off of them. So that's one place where our money goes is to military charities. Uh, personally, we uh, we donate to a homeless shelter, a food kitchen, and uh, a group called Access Surf. And Access Surf is uh, near and dear to my heart. They uh, help people who are not able to go surfing on their own to go surfing. Uh, these are people that may have uh, lost the use of a limb or that uh, are uh, suffering from a disease like multiple sclerosis or even people that just uh, don't know how to surf and have never tried it and are terrified of the water and need a special board or special help. And I get to uh, watch them once a month every Saturday morning uh, while I go out surfing myself, watch them set up the uh, the gear on the beach and take people out to the water and see the expressions on their faces, the, the happy people learning to surf. Kids, adults of all ages is, is very powerful. That's awesome. I've never surfed. Huh, Next time so. you're out here. Yeah, next, the first time you mean I'm out there. I've okay. Never, well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that. stand up paddle boarding on the East River, but uh, you can go out to the coast no, of New Jersey. No, I wouldn't even ways. like. <laughs> I, I don't even like to drive over the East River. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Um, last but not least, Doug, I'm so money because because I'm financially independent and I have choices. Yes, you do. And my goodness, um, 
Retiring at age 41 and dedicating your life now to teaching veterans and military families about how to be financially independent, donating all the proceeds to military charities, uh, the list goes on about why you are so money. And I'm honored to have you on the show. I think that there should be, there should be more Doug Normans out there. And I'm just glad that we have you, uh, as our leader. And thank you very, very much and hope to have you back again. Lots of updates, hopefully, uh, with your work and, uh, Enjoy Hawaii. Thanks, Arnoush. I am. I really am. And uh, I'd love to be back someday. And uh, I really enjoy listening to the other guests you have on the show. Thank you so much. That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Doug Nordman, his website is the-military-guide.com. We've got all this info back at somoneypodcast.com. There is, well, the transcript and comments from this episode and all previous episodes. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money, work, life, or guests at somoneypodcast.com. There's a really good chance I'll answer it this weekend. And as a reminder, if you'd like to win a free 15-minute money session with me, hop over to iTunes and leave a review for this show. It's the biggest way to support this show and to keep it from falling off the face of the earth in the iTunes store. Reviews count. So for that, I'm willing to offer uh, those who take the time to leave a review uh, one a week, a free 15-minute money session with me. Every Saturday, I pick one new person to get that 15-minute money blitz. So if this is something that interests you, hop on over to iTunes, the store, leave a review. Hopefully, you'll be selected and you will win. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to my spectacular guest, Doug Nordman. Hope to see you right back here tomorrow. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money. Money.